The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. Welcome again. Do you need to find a seat? Okay. (laughs) So I was thinking about, oh gosh, what am I going to talk about? I always have this panic moment, like I have nothing to say. I've already said everything I wanted to say. And I looked at uh, the titles of um, Mark's recent uh, talk, and they were like Nibbana, Transcendence, (laughs) The Unconditioned. And I thought, wow, they're kind of really advanced and lofty stuff. So I thought I'll talk about something really simple and basic, this morning, like beginner's mind. And I also want to add beginner's mind, wow, heart. Um, So it's going to be easy, folks. We can all make a collective sigh of relief and relax, and our brain can go to sleep a little bit. (laughs) But wait, not so fast. Because simple and basic things are sometimes the hardest and most elusive. Have you noticed that? Just like bringing kind attention and awareness to the contracted parts of the body without making it a problem. Or simply notice the next thought and not get lost in it. I've been trying to simplify my house, and that has been one of the most arduous, complicated, unending project I ever have taken on. I like relaxing the body and just breathe. I studied Japanese taiko for, it's one of those huge ones, for about 10 years, and my teacher always said, Kyoko, relax your shoulders. And I didn't know what she was talking about because I thought I was completely relaxed. It took about eight years to realize, oh, yes, it's tight, and that there really is a difference that I can notice the tight shoulder from loose shoulder. My tightness was so familiar and constant that it was a, a norm for me. I thought that's the way my shoulders came, and I realized, <laughs> no, it's possible to relax. And someone caught me this morning, little tight, and gave me a wonderful massage. So, beginner's mind, the mind of wonder is a place we can always return to if we feel lost, frustrated, or even too excited by our practice. It's a don't-know mind. It's a place where we don't have words yet. We don't know and we don't understand. 
But you know the mind doesn't like it because not knowing bring out vulnerability. And when we feel vulnerable, often we react and defend rather than softening it into that poignant human experience. So cultivating beginner's mind means willing to tolerate that vulnerability and with humility that comes when we don't know and we don't understand. The only way we can gain insight on anything that truly matters to us is to be willing to say that we don't know sometimes. It means to lean into the not knowing with openness, receptivity, curiosity, and I would add emphatically and with kind attention. Kind attention is love. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the expert, there are few. The Zen master Shunryu Suzuki Roshi famously wrote in the classic Zen mind, beginner's mind. He said that the very goal of practice is to keep the beginner's mind. Some of us have been practicing meditation for 30 years. And some of us, three weeks or three days. Who is here today for the first time? And some of us are here for the first time. How wonderful. You know, it doesn't matter how long our practice has been. The need to cultivate the beginner's mind equally applies to the old as well as the new practitioners. And in fact, the need to cultivate a beginner's mind is greater for those of us who have been doing this for some time. Well, the new people already have the beginner's mind, hopefully full of wonderment about what is this about? What is this doing to your life? And if the new people feel like you have been fumbling in the dark without quite knowing what you're doing, or if the path seems messy and up and down, rejoice! That statement is a proof that you're doing just exactly what you're supposed to do. So hang in there. One day, a light, a light may go on like a switch, and you may see everything so clearly in a flash. And that's when you need to be cautious. <laughs> because you need to let go and begin anew. And such a high is hard to let go. It's hard to let go when things are hard. And it's actually equally hard to let go when we feel like we are accomplishing something. Our practice is about letting go. About cultivating open, interested, 
and receptive mind, without a sense of wonderment and care, how else do we get to know the deepest expression of our own nature? How else can we see the Dhamma the way things are? Time is an equal opportunity ruler. Every single one of us has 24 hours a day. And for every single one of us, every morning is a new day and a new chance to dive into life. How wonderful is that? But how often are we fully open and receptive to the newness of the day with interest and attention? When we get out of the bed, how often do we let both feet touch the floor and feel our bodies stand up to greet the new day? both of our feet on the ground. How many of us keep standing on one foot? Of course we bring our past into the new moment. But it is only in the mind that the past exists. Don't worry about the past too much and don't worry about the future. Thich Nhat Hanh said that all the past is in the present moment and the future is also in the present moment as possibilities. So they're all right here, don't worry, right now. Our awareness is always in the present moment and the present moment holds all the possibilities, why not be open to it with wonderment and receptivity? Well, the thinking mind thinks it knows everything it needs to know about this moment. Did you notice that too? As soon as we perceive something, the thinking mind labels it, generalize it, intellectualize it. There isn't anything wrong with that like the heart pumping blood and diaphragm pushing and pulling the lungs to breathe. The thinking mind keep on making meaning. That's its function. And thanks to that, we have survived the wilderness. And we are here today, together. But we are not what the thinking mind tells us who we are. And the world is not what the thinking mind interprets to be. Who we are and what the world is. The true nature of who we are and the world is beyond the comprehension of the thinking mind. As soon as we believe in what the thinking mind tells us what the world is about, we are no longer seeing what is there. We only see the thought about it. Can you see that? To discover our true nature, the beginner's mind is the best friend. What would it be like to see self and the world as if for the first time? 
what would it be like to ask ourselves as we go through the day, through our hard times and happy times, through our angry moment and through our tears, where is the wonder in this? Is it possible that the wonder is always there to be discovered? Here, something is hanging. And if your eyes are closed, that's okay, because some people will be listening to this on the podcast, so I have to describe. I'm putting my hand up and two fingers holding this thing up here. Um, so light hits the object, and, uh, and those of you who can see the mind call this red, color red. And you, if you know Minnesota, you recognize this is a mitten, rather dirty red mitten. Um, if you can't see, or if you grew up in tropics, you probably don't recognize what this is. Um, also, if the room is completely dark, you can't see this either. And I can tell it to you, and you get to believe it or not. You don't know. So, so many causes and conditions shape this simple perception of this object as a red mitten. Can you see this mitten as if you are seeing it for the first time in your life? And when you do that, what comes up? That mitten is held by these two protruding things that the mind calls finger, fingers. And they're about to let loose. And what will happen? Wow! It flew directly to the ground! <laughs> Did you know that the mitten could, could move? <laughs> wow! Let's try again. Wow! The, the mitten flew. It moved. Wow! Isn't that something? Well, if you're listening on the podcast, I'm picking up the mitten and dropping it. <laughs> the, the mitten, did it go right or left or above or sideways? It went down. That's amazing. How could it be? Like the air we breathe, we aren't aware of the gravity. Its constant presence keeps us from marveling at it. Everything we do, from driving a car to the smallest details in sitting as you are on the cushion or chair, it's possible because of gravity. Newton and Einstein have theories about it, about how the gravity works, but they are just theories. The gravity is still largely a mystery to even the modern physicist. Did you know that? You can Google it. 
Recently I saw a movie called Gravity, and in space nothing drops like this mitten just did. Everything floats, even Sandra Bullock's tears floated away in space. It was amazing to see. And fire fragmented into little pieces and floated like candles. Without gravity, we can't eat solid food, walk, eliminate, and of course we can't breathe. At the end of the movie, the main character finally lands back on the earth, and she drags herself to the sandy beach and grabs a handful of sand, feeling the substance of it and her own weight on the wet sand. The full, wonderful impact of the gravity of the earth. And because of the gravity, she can slowly get up and walk. And driving home from the movie theater, I marveled at the orderly streams of light on the freeway. Wow! All these cars hang low to the ground and moving in one direction because of the gravity. And the moon hang above the highway because of the gravity. Wow! What would it be like to let ourselves be amazed by the air we breathe, by the gravity that makes us stand, by love that holds us all together in the interconnected web? Talking about movies, the master, Chunryu Suzuki, said, If you want to enjoy the movie, you should know that it is the combination of film and light and widescreen, and that the most important thing is to have the plain white screen. As soon as the movie starts, we forget that it is a projection on the white screen. The seeing brain can't differentiate the image on the screen from reality. That's why movies are so entertaining. Only the awareness can know that it is a projection because the awareness is always in the present moment. And it wouldn't be so fun if we meditated while watching a movie. <laughs> and sometimes life gets really hard and it would be good to get lost in illusion for a limited time. And we can even learn a thing or two from illusions. But then we need to get back to life no matter how hard or painful or challenging. The beginner's mind helps us to wake up from the stupor of, of the projection of old habits and distractions. Again and again, the beginner's mind is curious, open, receptive, a mind willing to be vulnerable and to risk disappointments, to find out what's behind that splendor of the Emerald City, in Wizard of Oz, it was just a little man with a projector. But Dorothy, the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Lion all learned something true about themselves. That was all there. 
but how does it really work? How can we tell when we have abandoned the beginner's mind? What makes us resist to be open and be receptive? Recently, I, along with 100 others, spent a week at Spirit Rock to begin a a new two-year program called Heavenly Messengers. When Christians hear the word Heavenly Messengers, they imagine pink beautiful lady with a golden halo softly announcing to Mary that she's going to have Son of God. Well, in Buddhism, um, the heavenly messengers are sickness, old age, and death. (laughs) So, um, just a week before um, going to the Spirit Rock for the a training and the retreat on Heavenly Messengers, I had just finished teaching a class called Befriending Death. And without being conscious of it, I arrived at the, th- the training thinking that I know already something about sickness, old age, and death. And I sensed that my mind and heart were not fully open and receptive, despite my intention and effort to be otherwise. On the day two of the Heavenly Messengers training, we engaged in the inquiry process where exactly the same question gets repeated over and over by the questioner in a diet. The question went something like, tell me a way you avoid suffering by resisting, just that. Perfect question for me. The first time it was asked, I became aware that I was really not fully engaged with what was happening at the training. And the question was repeated again. I told my partner that I appeared to be aware of the present moment, but actually I had been about 10 seconds ahead instead of zero second. I was 10 seconds removed from the present moment. There is a saying that goes, a tenth of an inch of a difference and heaven and earth are set apart. Tell me a way you avoid suffering by resisting. The question I asked for the third time. I became aware of the pervasive ways I had been 10 seconds ahead in my mind, anticipating and projecting while I thought I was present. There was a resistance to open and be completely receptive. My mind said, been there, done that. I taught that in my class. I, and I experienced these thoughts like a wall or like a floor. And I sensed there was some fear beneath it. What ways do I avoid suffering by resisting? Asking myself. What am I afraid to discover by opening? The resistance was felt in the body as a slight tension in the shoulders and chest. What was I afraid of? I was resisting opening to the truth of existence. Really opening to it my own old age and mortality, 
the insecurity of the self, the inevitable pain of living. If I let go of the wall and really opened, the truth will penetrate me. And what would happen then? I might be annihilated. I might be too sad to function. I might give up. I recognize that I was resisting the truth of existence that I have come to understand deep in my bones, anicca, anatta, dukkha, the impermanence, the not-self, and the inevitability of suffering to penetrate me. I didn't want the life to be like that. Tell me a way you avoid suffering by resisting. If I allow the truth to penetrate me, I would feel so helpless. And if I allow the helplessness to penetrate me, some unbearable grief might come up. And in that moment, I felt the full power of the grief, the tension of the wall giving away to the sensation of some force washing over me. I stay there. Then a glimpse of freedom appeared on the other side of the stories of the fear. And what was holding me back to surrender to that freedom? that's available in that moment. If I allow the truth of freedom to penetrate me, I was afraid I would lose connection to my mundane existence in the sense world and to the people I love and cherish. I was afraid to feel alone and separated. The fear was recognized as a story and not as truth, and just in that moment, I felt free like a bird in the sky, and I still fully inhabited the earthly world, fully present, connected to humanity, with unbounded love and freedom. That was a wow moment. And that wow colors the next moment, unless we awake. We say, wow, that was wonderful. And because it was so amazing, we want to hold on. Instead, we need to let go. Because we don't know what the next moment holds. And if we don't let go, we close the door to new possibilities. When something good happens, we want to hold on to it. When something bad happens, we want to hold on on to it too. It's good to reflect and learn from difficulties or flashes of insight. But we need to watch out that it does not become an expectation. So I needed to let go of the identification with my wow experience. I called on the beginner's mind 
and the rest of the training was so much more interesting and astonishing. Wow means not dulled to wonder. So, beginner's mind is a close cousin um, to the wonder, the, the mind of wonder. Beginner's mind often takes you to meet this cousin. Wow. Both wow heart and beginner's mind you can't do just <coughs> once. You can't begin just once and you can't hold on to wow without killing it. We have to begin over and over again. We say, wow, and we let it be in soft awareness of the passing moment. <coughs> At Spirit Rock, my yogi job was chopping vegetables. One day, a cook came out to the chopping table and introduced himself. He was skinny and tall, with a long red beard and a twinkle in his eyes. He introduced himself. He said, My name is Wow. <laughs> and I repeated in amazement, Wow. <laughs> it was probably rude of me to have repeated his name, but I couldn't help it. And Wow tolerated my poor manner. He said, he had the kindest smile and gentlest voice. And later, I imagined when he was born, his parents uttered, wow, probably, <laughs> and named him so. And ever since that day he was born, he probably received amazement from the world, from his parents. Wow! <coughs> if each of us gave and received such amazement every day, how would the world be different? What if each one of us has a hidden middle name that is, wow, not dulled to wonder. If so, would it be easier to be kind and patient? So, I, I would like to conclude even though there's no such a thing as conclusion to beginner's mind, for, the, for this time, with um, a poem by Mary Oliver. Um, it's called, When Death Comes. Some of you heard it before. When death comes like the hungry bear in autumn, when death comes and takes all the bright coins from his purse, to buy me and snaps the purse shut. I want to step through the door full of curiosity 
wondering, what is it going to be like, that cottage of darkness? And therefore, I look upon everything as a brotherhood and sisterhood. And I think of each life as a flower, as common as a field daisy, and as singular. And each body a lion of courage, and something precious to the earth. When it's over, I want to say, all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. You want me to repeat it? Yes? When death comes like the hungry bear in autumn, when death comes and takes all the bright coins from his purse to buy me and snaps the purse shut, I want to step through the door full of curiosity, wondering, what is it going to be like, that cottage of darkness? And therefore, I look upon everything as a brotherhood and sisterhood. And I think of each life as a flower, as common as a field daisy and as singular. And each body a lion of courage and something precious to the earth. When it's over, I want to say, all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. So we have just a few minutes for comments, questions. We can all say, Wow! (laughs) Or, turn to the person next to you. I know you might think it's kind of corny. But, turn to the person next to you and look at each other as if you have never seen this person before. And see what you can discover with that beginner's mind. Yes. Go ahead. Good morning. Wow.
Wow, thank you so much. So much energy here. That was wonderful to see. And kids are ready to come. If you don't know the words, All right. okay. 44. 44. like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.